welcome back to this episode of Cyst and Dismissed. I am one of your hosts, Felicia Segovia. And I'm your other host, Rebecca Adele. And today we are excited to be back and talking to you guys and sharing a true crime and a story today. Sorry, a true crime and a topic. (laughs) How you been? How's it going? How's your life? How are things? How you doing? How are you? Um, Good. Pretty good. Just working a lot. You know, Halloween just passed. So that was fun. How was your Halloween weekend? It was pretty chill for the most part. I only went to one Halloween party and I was tired. What did you go for as Halloween? I tried looking on your Instagram and stuff and I couldn't find it. A vampire. A vampire. <laughs> I decided last minute to go. Um, and so I was like, I'll either be a vampire or like the green alien in like the claw machine in Toy Story. Oh, I love those little guys. That yeah. would have been cute. You should have done that. Yeah. I think vampire fit better though. We had two Halloween costumes this year. We had um when I say we, I mean my Nick, my Nick. (laughs) My husband and I, Nick. Um, we dressed up with our friend Mikey. Shout out to you, Mikey. Uh we were Sully, Boo, and Mike Wazowski. I was Mike Wazowski, Nick was Sully, and she was Boo. And then Mm -hmm. Halloween night, we kind of just threw together some stuff because all of our Halloween costumes were dirty. So I went as a sexy Patrick. And I nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> a sexy Patrick. How do you even make that work? I will show you. And I know this isn't like a video thing. So you guys can't see, but I'll explain it to you after I show her. So she I'll can- let you know on a scale of one to 10, how sexy this Patrick is. <laughs> she wasn't super sexy. It's me. Hello. Let me see. I would give it a solid <laughs> five because you're, you just- me? you're just wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Okay, look at Patrick and what Patrick was wearing. Oh, wait, did you have those fishnet tight things on? Yeah. I couldn't tell. Let me see. This, let me see it again. Oh, you're right. 5.5. I hate you so much. 5.5, are you kidding me? With your reused vampire costume? I don't know. I feel like you could have worn a different top. Okay, that was a last minute like Walmart purchase because I did not have a pink shirt for the life of me. All right. Anywho's, I have a joke for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me find my joke page because I lost it. Okay, 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 okay. What do you call a couple of chimpanzees sharing an Amazon account? Mm, what? Prime mates. Oh, primates. <laughs> Hi. Primates. Primates. Get it? Primate. Primate. Pretty good. Never hey. heard that one before. So, yeah. This week, I'm on the topic. Yes, you are. What are we going to be talking about? So, this is a topic from our list. And I thought, I think you wrote this one, but I had written something similar. So, I thought I would just like sort of combine it into one. And it is why no one teaches about credit or the process of integrating into society as young adults and the difference between how life is now versus the versus how life was generations prior to us. But I had written something similar a while ago that was like, should they teach credit and like all of that um, in school, which I don't know if it was just our school that didn't teach it or 
you know, maybe schools nowadays do, do teach about credit score and the importance of it. Um, but for the most part, I feel like it's not really covered and they don't teach it to you as maybe as in depth as they should, because it really does affect many aspects of your life as an adult. So I have a shit ton of opinions on this because I'm <laughs> very irritated that they did not teach me about credit in high school. And I really wish they would have because being, I don't know how old I was when I graduated, 18, I was 18, being 18 right out of high school and right out of my parents' house, because fun fact about Felicia, I moved out when I was 18, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, being that young and not having any knowledge of what credit is, you can't get anything. You can't get a car. People won't look at you for a housing place. People won't look at you for credit cards. If you don't have any credit, like you can't do anything. And they don't tell you any of that in high school or any type of schooling at all. Like they tell you about X minus Y equals B. So I don't know. I wasn't good at math, but you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I don't really remember it being covered either. I mean, maybe in like econ, they did go over it, but again, econ was only like a semester long and I feel like it really needs to be like a whole course or like at least two full years in high school where What's they're really teaching you these basic things. Cause, cause I feel like you can't really leave it up to parents to teach their kids these things about how to, you know, get a car, um, move into, you know, buy a house and things like that. Even like you're saying, which is like a credit history, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have any of that at 18. Nobody will look at you if you don't either. And I think that's one of the big issues with that. One of the big issues that I have with credit alone is the fact that like the way it works, so you can't, you have to have a certain amount of credit history or they won't look at you, but if it's bad credit history, they won't look at you at all. But if you have no credit history, it's considered good credit history. It's retarded in my yeah. mind. Very confusing. But I mean, once you get the hang of it, it's not hard to negotiate or navigate, but I definitely think that it needs to be taught in school. Like you said, for longer than just a semester. And I don't know if that was just our school that did it as a semester, if other schools did it like longer than that. Or didn't do it at all but I know econ wasn't like wasn't solely based around just credit either and I think that mm -hmm. needs to be like a bigger subject that's talked about is the credit and how it works and like when you should start getting it and what you should do with it and how to keep it good and what to do if you do get a bad credit score because this shit sucks it sucks from personal experience but it's better now but, but I also think part of the question of you know why don't how life is different from pre previous generations and such as they didn't really have to deal with credit like according to the internet in 1989 is when the FICO credit score started you know being worked with the national credit bureaus to create credit scoring models that could be used to evaluate consumers so like it's a relatively new thing so what you mean to tell me is that the generation prior to us came up with this stupid ass backwards credit score system and now I have to suffer because they decided that it was a thing? No. Like if this was some ancestors from like the ancient times of like the beginning of America, hell yeah, I'd be like, all right, I got to do it for my bros back that laid down the yellow brick road. But no. What? This is brand new? Relatively, yeah. It's pretty brand new. I don't like it. I don't want it. I didn't sign up for it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> Catch me off the grid. All right, I'll get you off the grid. <laughs> Just kidding. I could never live off the grid. I'm way too much of a princess. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Ouch. 
You oh. said it first. You weren't supposed to agree. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so like we said, we didn't really learn. We didn't grow up learning about credit. I don't think our parents really taught us about credit. So how did you, how did you learn about credit after like when at 18, how did you start building credit? My credit story started when actually I wasn't 18. I was like, I want to say I was 2021. And it was when I met my best friend, Megan, and I started hanging out with her and she's a little bit, she's a couple years older than me. So she's not, I think she's your age actually. Um, but she already had like a house that she was renting and a car that she had leased. No, she didn't have the car that she had leased yet, but she was working towards it. She knew more about credit because her mom was like super into the finance world as well. And so she picked up on a lot of that. Um, and she told me like, one of the best ways to start your credit is through credit karma. So I downloaded the credit karma app and <laughs> shout out to credit karma. If you want to sponsor us, I would love to, um, back. I downloaded the credit karma app and I signed up for their like credit starting credit cards. And I literally went from there and I have been winging it ever since, honest to God, I still don't know what I'm doing because my credit did take a really big dip and it's slowly, slowly climbing back up. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, for like my husband, I did that for him and like all my cousins and stuff that are like, oh, I don't have credit. I'm like, get credit karma. Like that's how I'm teaching the next generation. I don't know like how other people of our generation did it. I don't know how you did it, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. So I went to school and then I defaulted on some things and that really, it said I still had no credit basically, or it wasn't bad credit. It was just no credit at that point. I don't know. It was weird. And so I had to like pay some things off and then I still didn't really have a score though. I don't really know. I, I remember I started getting a score when I got my first credit card because I was like, I need to build credit. And I think I was a little bit older. I was probably in my early twenties and I got like one of those, um, prepaid cards, like one of the ones you, you, you give in $200, you know? Yeah. I think eventually you get it back. I think I got it back eventually, but like, it took a couple months so that you can like, you know, show that you're consistent with, you know, using it and then paying it off to like you show that like, you're a good consumer yeah. basically. Um, and then I think my credit limit went up. And then after that card, I got like a proper credit card. Um, and I also have like other bills that I pay that influence my credit. And I just always make sure to like watch it, I guess. You know, I feel like I'm pretty good with money. Um, it's just me. So... <laughs> I'm lucky in that regard that my credit is pretty good. I'm very bad with my money and thankful that I have my husband because he's very good with money. And um, I don't know, just being able to see like, I'm very anal about my credit score. So I have a routine. Every morning I wake up, I go to the bathroom. Or, okay, I wake up, I turn my alarms off. I grab my phone, I go to the bathroom, I sit on the toilet, I go pee, I check my bank account, and then I check my credit score, and then I check my emails, and then I check my socials, and by that time I'm done, <laughs> then I get ready. So I check my credit score every day, probably more than the normal person should. Yeah, I don't think you need to check it that often. If we're being 100% honest, I check it more than once a day. <laughs> because Credit Karma now updates daily. It was every Tuesday, and now it's daily. Thank you. I check it maybe once a month because yeah because once when a I, month I could never I could never 
Yeah, once a month because I get my um, credit card statement and then I check it to see, you know, if it went up or whatever. Um, yeah, and then I'm like, all right. And then I close it till next month. Like I'm not out here buying like a car or like a house or anything. So I'm not like constantly making sure, but I'm making sure that it's like, you know, at least staying where it's at or like going up one or two points. I am trying to buy a house and I do have a car on lease. So I'm always looking at my credit because of that. Like having a, you have to have a certain credit score to even qualify to buy a house, which to me is beyond ridiculous. I think if you have money for certain loans, yes, but you know, your credit score isn't the end all be all. I do work at a mortgage company. (laughs) Sorry, whatever. I know, but it's just, I don't know. So I check mine more often because of that and because I'm trying to rebuild it, but Credit's fun. Credit. I'm lying. I'm 100% lying. Credit fucking sucks. I don't know. I don't think me because it's just me. I don't think it's that hard to maintain a good credit score. Um, I think to maintain. That might be a bit naive, but for the most part right now, it's not hard. To maintain it, it's not that hard. The The maintenance of it is fine. I got that down. It's the fact that like when I wasn't maintaining it, and I let it slip and I forgot to pay bills or I just, okay, what happened was I wasn't working. So I didn't have any fucking money. So I wasn't paying the bills. And because of that, it just got, it's a, it was just the fastest black hole I've ever seen be created in my entire life. It just spiraled out of control very quickly. So it's harder to get it back up than it is to lose it. And I think that's the part that I don't like about credit. That's why it sucks so much. It's not, it's not fair to me. Yeah, I get that. But I don't know. It's the world we live in. Can't cry over spilt milk. I don't know. I just think overall, do you think they should teach credit like in high school or do you think even a little younger, like middle school? I think credit should start should start being like introduced late middle school. Like for me, late middle school means like eighth grade. Mm-hmm. That should start being like introduced into the curriculum at some point. And then in high school, I think it should have to be like one of the mandatory classes that you take along with like, so you have to take a health class. You have to take a, what is it? Math, English, science, and then electives. Yeah. Your electives. I think they should drop an elective because it's two electives. So they should drop an elective and make like economy an actual class. And it might've been that way when they like per prior generations, I'm not sure, but like, I feel like I used to hear about people going to like economy or econ class. Like, I don't know, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that for our schooling situation. I wish it was. Yeah. I don't think it was either. Let me ask you a different question. So say when you have kids one day and they don't have a credit like class, will you take it upon yourself to teach them credit and like get them a prepaid credit card or whatever? A hundred percent. Yeah. Because I think that if it if it's not offered in the schooling system the way it should be, then it should be on the parents to make sure that your children are prepared. That needs to be a life lesson that you need to teach before you let your kids go into the world by themselves. That's just my personal belief. Yeah, I think it even I think it even starts earlier before you even talk about like credit cards and stuff, just like the responsibility of like when you give um, we didn't have allowances, but like when people have an allowance. And it's like, okay, this much for savings and this is much for spending, like that mentality of being responsible with your money, I think needs to start young. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think 
where we went to school when we were younger, like elementary school, it was talked about more. And I think if we would have stayed in that schooling system, our entire educational like career, we probably would have been a little bit better off than we were. But I just very vividly remember like being in the third grade and don't or not donating, but like bringing in my loose change and putting it in a little bank baggie. And then the bank or the parents would take it to a Wells Fargo and we would have like a savings account set up. And it wasn't an optional thing. Like it was mandatory almost. And I don't know, but that it was teaching us about saving. So it was talked about at that age for us in that area of where we were, but it's not anymore. That's right. I remember it. They used to come in every Wednesday with like a deposit slip and then yeah. however much money we had, we would put it in our bank accounts and they were real bank accounts because when uh, Washington Mutual got bought out by Chase, it like transferred over. So I technically have only had one bank because I had WAMU, which is Washington Mutual for like kids. And then now I have Chase. So I've never had another bank really. I, when I went to, or when I stopped using Chase, it got, once it got switched over and everything, I still had that account in there. When I stopped using Chase, I got a check written out from that account because it it didn't have a withdrawal ability. It was deposit only. So I got a check when I closed that account out. And I think it was like, honestly, I think it was like 130 bucks. It wasn't bad. Like I had stopped doing it at a certain time because I continued it. I think we can, me and you continued it after elementary school. I really don't remember how much was in mine, but I don't remember it being a lot. Well, I wasn't, well, I mean, it might've been connected to like my personal account and my yeah. deposits from there, but it was, it was a good amount. I was like, Hey, cool beans. But yeah, I wish stuff like that was more relevant and like around now. Mm-hmm. It's not like, yeah, I will definitely be the one teaching my kids about it because I think that it, with credit being so such a big issue nowadays and like with everything you have to have some type of credit, it needs to be taught. I agree. But um, yeah, that was a good topic. Thank you. You want to slide on into our caffeinated crime? Any caffeine with me tonight? This is my bubbly. Bubbly. I got a Coke Zero. Mm. Does that have caffeine in it? I don't actually know. It might, but I think it has zero calories, doesn't it? Calories and zero sugar. I don't know how to say or where the caffeine is, so I'm just going to assume that it does. But yeah, let's do that. Okay, so for today's story, I chose to talk about the boy in the box. Have you ever heard of him? No. Not a lot of people have. And actually, I hadn't until today. I forgot that I was on story today and was at work and was like, oh, shit, I have to come up with the story. So my coworker helped me find this one. <laughs> read me like cliff notes of it and I was like uh yes because I've never heard that so let's go in the cold February of 1957 a boy in a cardboard box that was once housed a JC Penney's bassinet was discovered the child was naked and had been beaten prior to his death with fresh cuts to his face the young man who found him didn't report his findings to the police due to fear of his animal traps being confiscated but several days later a student discovered the boy and reported it to the police Once the report had been received, an investigation was opened and the boy's body was removed from the woods in Fox Chase. He was believed to be between three and six years old due to malnourishment, and he had numerous scars. There was one on his chest 
and another around his groin and an L-shaped scar on his chin. He had a round scar on his left elbow and another on his ankle that was believed to be made to insert a needle for surgical procedures. What the heck? Yeah. So. Oh my God. He's so young and he has all these like horrible wounds. Yeah, it was, it gets rough, but Okay, so despite his appearance, Boy's nails had recently been trimmed. He had been wrapped in a blanket and his remnants of and he had remnants of baked beans in his stomach. So he had just recently eaten. Mm. His hair had been cut badly, but cut, and there were long strands of hair found with his body. He had also been submerged in water shortly before his death. And the only reason they knew that is because his feet and his hands were still wrinkly. Wow. Nearby, a tan scarf and a yellow flannel shirt were found. Additionally, there were black shoes near the crime scene, but they didn't fit the child. The police fingerprinted the little boy in hopes that someone would be able to identify him. The discovery of the boy in the box gained huge media attention in Philadelphia, and the Philadelphia Inquirer was a newspaper to print 400,000 flyers. Hundreds of police recruits combed the area for clues relating to the child, but the discovery of a handkerchief led them on a fruitless journey that found them no closer to finding the boy or his killer's identity. A, a cap was also found at the scene that gave investigators a momentary lead. The blue corduroy hat with the leather strap was found to have been made by a shop in South Philadelphia. The owner remembered the boy who bought it and said he was between the ages of 26 and 30 years old, but he was never located. As the years went by, facial reconstructions of the boy were created and one was even made of his potential father, but no one ever came forward to claim the boy. So a few years after the boy's discovery, Remington Bristow, an employee of the medical examiner's office in Philadelphia, went to the police with a new theory. He'd been at the estate sale of the of a foster home located a mile and a half from Fox Chase, where the boy was found, and noticed a JCPenney bassinet at the property. While a common item, Bristow also saw blankets that were drying on the clothesline at the home that were similar to the ones that were found wrapped around the boy's body. Bristow's theory was that the child lived at the foster home and was the son of an unwed woman whose stepfather owned the facility. Whether the boy was accidentally killed or not, Bristow was adamant that the boy had lived there. However, no connection was ever formally made by the police. I mean, that's the biggest lead they've had. It's honestly, it's just a theory. It's right. like a story that some guy came up with because he was like, mm. I mean, yeah, those blankets kind of looked like they could have been the ones that were on him, but I'm not for sure. Well, that was these people had a box that the kid was found in. Well, the idea that like he belonged to an unwed uh, mother sort of kind of makes sense because I was thinking while you were saying this that like maybe he was like a child born at like home and he was never you know registered not registered what's the word <laughs> like uh he never had like a birth certificate or anything you know like there's no record of into the system for like humans I don't know what is that called there was no record of his birth maybe yeah. you know nobody ever recorded that so I was thinking, yeah, maybe that's why nobody came forward and nobody recognized him because he was never out really in society. Because you said he was between three and six, you know, it's possible he lived his whole life in, you know, in a house or something. Yeah. And if he was never, if he was that malnourished, like, and was never taken to a hospital or a doctor, like for checkups or anything, nobody would have ever known. This kid could have completely lived under the radar. 
But I think that theory was saying was that he thought he was a foster child at that home. Mm -hmm. I mean, either way, still stands. Moving on. In February of 2002, a woman came forward claiming to know the identity of the boy. She told police that her mother had bought the boy in 1954 and his name was Jonathan. She claimed that the boy had been sexually and physically abused during his two and a half years with the family, which eventually came to a head one evening over dinner. Jonathan had vomited the baked beans that were put in front of him, and in a rage, Martha claimed her mother had beaten the boy and slammed his head into a door until he was unconscious. She said mother gave him a bath where he died. To conceal the boy's identity, the mother cut his long hair and forced Martha to help her dispose of the body in the fox chase area. I mean, were any of these details, as she said, not released to the public? I don't know. Because otherwise she could have just read the story and made it fit her story. Well, hold on. Okay, so it gets to that. It says, while putting the boy in the car, the ma- a man stopped and asked if they needed help with the heavy box. While Martha stood in front of the license plate, her mother told them they were fine and the man drove off confidential account was later given by a male witness in 1957 that allegedly verifies Martha's story but the video is no longer available on court tv Mm. police tried to verify Martha's story but the neighbors who lived next door to the family didn't recall ever seeing a young boy at the property and told police that Martha had a history of mental illness which was verified by medical records the investigation into the family went no further no further that was their best lead right that's what I was saying but okay, moving forward with advances in forensic beginnings, with advances in forensics beginning, the boy was exhumed in 1998 when DNA was extracted from one of his teeth and his body was moved to Ivy Hill Cemetery in Cedarbrook, where a plot was donated. In 2008, a renowned forensic artist came up with a new theory. He believed that the boy in the box was in fact raised as a girl. Frank Bender, whose work in the facial reconstruction field helped identify mass murder John List, um, considered that the hurriedly cut hair and the child's plucked eyebrows were signs that the boy may have been concealed as a female, almost certain that they have been missing the boat because they have been showing a boy, and he is a boy, but the boy, I believe, was dressed as a girl. Bender later, Bender later created a sketch of the boy as a young girl instead, hoping to ignite new information in the case. In 2016, two writers contacted investigators to request the boy's DNA be compared to a person in Memphis, Tennessee. The family believed the boy could be a relative of theirs, but but in December 2017, the results showed that there wasn't a connection between the two samples. The boy's grave is always surrounded by flowers and stuffed toys placed by locals and those who've heard his story. His His headstone reads, America's Unknown Child, with a smaller inscription, Heavenly Father, bless this unknown, unknown boy. To date, he received over 3,000 flower donations. Wow. The case has been reopened numerous times over the years, but his identity still remains a mystery. I feel like the only way this could be solved possibly is that like in a few years, if somehow one of his relatives, distant relatives, was on like Ancestry.com or something, mm-hmm. and I don't know, somehow it got linked and they could like do a family tree how would that be though like to say like like this mother ha- maybe had another child or an aunt or something but like nowadays from 1957 and like to find out that he was murdered so viciously and to never know like nobody ever knew who this person was and then you're like pop up and you're like bing bing boom that's my dad just kidding not my dad obviously but 
I mean, there's really no other way. I feel like, you know, obviously this boy's identity was hidden for a reason. Um, and DNA is the only way that's really going to get it to be solved. But I mean, it's good they have his DNA on record. Yeah. And I'm glad that they were able to like make sure they took the precautionary steps to save his body in order to like do that instead of just chucking him in like a garbage pit somewhere. I know it's sad, but it also just makes me think of all the other like kids and on, you know, bodies where we don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, this happens all the time. Yeah. It just, it touched my heart that like a cemetery offered to donate a headstone to him and they, they call him America's unknown child. Like that just, I don't know, like he's no, he's never been claimed, but in a sense he's claimed by everyone. Mm -hmm. That's sweet. So unfortunately this case cannot be dismissed but it was for show cyst. That was good. It was an interesting case. Um, a lot of good theories that it came out or good potential leads. Yeah. I like your theory about it too. Like that one could definitely be a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I got for you. But if you want to submit a true crime or a topic to us, you can. Um, all of our social media information is linked in our bio on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca Dell underscore. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at fee underscore 116 or fee 116 underscore. I cannot remember at the moment. Or you can email us at sisanddispodcast at yahoo.com. Or you can see our Twitter account at sis, the letter N, dispodcast. Very good. <laughs> I almost forgot it for a hot minute. It's all right. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.